Yeah, so I guess I forgot that everybody or a lot of people take Thanksgiving off you know, the week of Thanksgiving. And yeah. so it took me the same amount of time to get home as it does to get to work in the morning uh. <laughs> because like nobody's on the road. It was crazy. Like there was no traffic whatsoever on the way home. It was oh, pretty nice. awesome. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, instead of cleaning, uh, should we get going? Yeah. Yeah. Might as well get into it. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 9, Episode 3, A Disturbance in the Kitchen. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? The Pickle Gambit. We really didn't have any homework, but I said I might do a shallow dive on Chappie Johnson, so I went ahead and did that. Chappie Johnson is the name that Larry gives to Leon when he wants a fake name for the uh, aforementioned Pickle Gambit. And he was, in fact, a real baseball player who played in the Negro League from 1895 to 1920. His real name was George Johnson Jr. And interestingly enough, previously to the 1906 season, Chappie Johnson traveled to Palm Beach, Florida and became head trainer for the Boston Red Sox. I didn't know this, but the baseball color line only excluded people from playing and I say people, black people, from playing in Major League Baseball games. It excluded some people, Ted. Some, quote-unquote, Some people, people. yeah. Yeah, you, you're, you're uh, uh, very literally right there. It was some people. Some people. They just uh, all me. happened to be of a certain color. So they couldn't be players, but they could be trainers and coaches and stuff like that. So I did not know that. And I don't. I didn't say he was the first or anything like that, but... Uh, I, I found that kind of interesting. Uh, he last played for a major team in 1919. 1919. <laughs> I had like a, a weird sound in there. And that's actually the eve of the organized Negro Leagues. I don't know what that means, but 1920, I guess, is when they essentially they were the same. They had the same structure, I guess, as MLB. Just again, Ted, separate. Um, some for some. And he continued as a manager through 1939 even managing teams using his name like the Dayton Chappies and the Chappie Johnson Stars. So, real guy. Oh, I found this. Uh, so, here's some other trivia and tidbits from the episode. The movie that Larry and Leon... Well, Leon comes in while Larry's watching the movie on TV. It is Penny Serenade from 1941. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> also, I like this little Easter egg. When Larry is logging into his laptop for the video call with the Iranian console... A folder on his laptop is called Notes for New Show, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be seen, which I think is a cool little meta Easter egg. Uh, and that is, uh, that's it. Okay. We got any news or anything or any uh, continuity that needs curbed? I don't think so. I, don't, I didn't see anything. I didn't see any news. No new updates about the Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, nothing. Or whatever's going on. All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last... Oh, hang on. I don't have it pulled up. 25 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim's never seen these episodes before in the last six years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email. It's nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Or you can slide into our DMs on Twitter at no hugging on instagram at no hugging underscore no learning if you <laughs> like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review over 
on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. If you've already done that, maybe you like us, you've already told your friends, you want to find another way to support us, you can join us over on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can get early and extended access to every single episode that we release. And now you can get a free seven-day trial to our It's a Hyundai tier, which is the $5 a month tier, the tier that gets you the access to all of the episodes in their extended form. Again, seven days free at patreon.com slash nohugging. Just click the link in the description to get started. But that's not the only way they can support the podcast, Tim. That's right. You can support our podcast by starting your podcast. Maybe you have a young friend that you've always wanted to show Frasier or something, or the Drew Carey show. <laughs> or, Did I tell you, we, we started watching Frasier, or I guess Grace started watching oh, Frasier, and George loves on it. My brain. Yeah, yeah, George, George I, loves watching Frasier. I think you did tell me that. Yeah, are you are you gearing up for the um? You know, to, you wanted to like revisit the entire series, Ow. so you weren't totally lost on the the reboot. That's what she said. She's like, I want to st- I want to rewatch all of Frasier. <laughs> so I'm not going to know what's wa- going on, <laughs> so that I can watch the Frasier reboot. And I said, I told her, I'm like, Ow, George, God damn it! I didn't tell her that. George is biting my feet. <laughs> Ow, buddy. Uh, I told her, I'm like. It's not good. It's not getting good reviews. I'm sure you can just watch the reboot and know what's going on. Yeah, and, and honestly, like, you should have started with Cheers. And she wanted to. She wanted to. She's like, okay, we, we got to watch through all of Cheers and then all of Frasier. And then, and only then, can we watch the new Frasier series on yeah. Paramount Plus? Ten episodes I'm like, or whatever it's going to be. I'm like... That sounds like watching through all of Lord of the Rings <laughs> yeah. and then all of The Hobbit only to listen to someone fart through a megaphone. <laughs> fart through the horn of Boromir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, yeah, re- rewatch Cheers and rewatch Frasier if you want to, but like, I, yeah. you don't, I don't think you need to do those <laughs> to watch the new Frasier series. I, I yeah. have not heard much about it. Like, People just really aren't talking about it, but from the yeah, people no. I have heard that are watching it, they're like, eh, it's, it, it's okay. <laughs> it, it, it's stripped away pretty much everything that was good about the original Frasier series because the original Frasier series like didn't carry itself like a traditional sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's right. Yeah. It had those weird, I don't know. They probably kept those, uh, scene title cards i don't even know if they did that i don't know if they did that i mean i haven't i haven't watched it but i I have seen a couple of clips and it gives off very how i met your father energy (laughs) i thought of another uh good analogy it's like all right we have to watch the original trilogy the prequels and the sequels so we can watch the star wars holiday special (laughs) (laughs) but at least the star wars holiday special like has gotten some good reviews like at least really has it not? I thought it like had this cult following. Oh yeah, I think so. But I think even I think it's even like so bad it's bad. Like, is oh okay? Is that yeah. the reason? Okay, yeah. I I, so. I wasn't totally sure. I think it's mainly like a you know a how long can you stomach this thing? Although oh, I mean there God. is a new documentary about Ooh. it. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. It's got a two point one on IMDb and a twenty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Here let's let's actually see what the <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes is. 
Wow, it's not even like flipped for audiences. 25% with critics and 19% with wow. audiences. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's it's one of those things that is good in theory and you're like, oh, this is going to be so funny. And then it's more like boring. Yeah. It's like a boring kind of bad. And you're like, oh, man. Aww, that's the worst. Yeah. Like, if if something's at least, you know, entertaining because you can be making fun of it, that's yeah. that's good. But exactly. it's an hour and 37 minutes too. Oh, wow, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that, see that that just goes to show you what a slog it is. Although the Boba Fett cartoon is on Disney Plus, and I highly recommend that, if only because all the characters are so grotesquely off model that it's it, it's really crazy, <laughs> and, and that is tolerable. And it's only like seven minutes long or something like that. So I, well, I do recommend I do good. recommend checking out the first appearance of Boba Fett. Which was in the holiday special. If you've never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Oh, wait. You know what? I didn't I uh, did give that. a shout-out to the, the patrons. Uh, before we get into everything, we're going to give a shout-out to the people who are already joining us on Patreon. we got Liam M., Michael Klatsky, Wrecker, Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John Murphy, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Again, thank you guys so much. Uh, some of you joining us from the absolute very beginning of the Patreon uh, over two years now for uh, for those last uh, last four names. Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Uh, okay, last five names, but last four <laughs> patrons. Uh, again, patreon.com slash nohugging. Get seven days free now. If oh yeah, have- and oh, I was I hadn't finished up my because uh, I talked about Frasier. I was like, maybe you have a young friend who you want to watch Frasier and do a podcast. Oh, that's right, with. that's how we got or, on that. Yeah, or maybe you have an old friend and you want to make them watch the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody or something and do a podcast about that. It doesn't have to be a millennial Gen Z rewatch <laughs> podcast. You can literally podcast about anything. Just yes. do it with Libsyn, L I B S Y N. Go to libsyn.com. Use the code hugging. And you can get up to two months free and help our podcast. Yes. Get that link down <laughs> in the description. If you... Wait. I heard, I heard, <laughs> Everything just, starts with if you. If you. If you <laughs> I'm circling. <laughs> All right. Season 9, Episode 3, A Disturbance in the Kitchen. Original air date, October 15th, 2017. And if you are looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry turns to a writer for advice, semicolon... Searching for Susie's missing, quote-unquote, little sister, comma, he gets ticketed by an overzealous cop. Aha. Uh-huh. It's, uh, I think we were confused by little sister last week, and it makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense now that now that we actually, you know, see, have seen the episode. Um, did you guess the writer cameo that we were going to see in this episode? prior no. to seeing it no no i didn't <laughs> i remember <laughs> i remember watching this one and yeah it's it's pretty funny so we open with larry and jeff out at a restaurant larry is still in his fatwa disguise and jeff breaks the news to him that you know cheryl and ted it's it's really happening i mean they even went to hawaii together so it's not looking good for larry overcomes the restaurant manager rich fulcher i don't suppose you recognize this guy did you uh, I thought he looked familiar, but I thought it was someone else, actually. Oh, really? Who do you think it was? Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was, uh, there's an actor and comedian who, uh, actually was the opener for Tenacious D when we saw him. His name's Dave Hill. Why does that sound familiar? Uh, cause I mean, he's, you know, he's just a comedian. I'm sure yeah. you would, rec- you, if you Google his face, he looks exactly like him. Let me see. No, not... <sighs> 
Dave Hill is such a short name that when I fat fingered it, it um oh yeah, oh my gosh, you're right. Jeez, it like, looks don't like they, a kid or something. Oh my god. Don't they look exactly the same? Yeah. D- Dave Hill uh is oh my I, gosh. I, I don't know who, how old he is, but I mean That's they, really weird. They look like they could be brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it it's Rich Vulture and the only thing I really know him from, I'm I'm sure he's been in other stuff. But the only thing I really know him from is a, a British, uh, like absurd sketch comedy show. I don't even what I don't even know if you call it a sketch comedy because it's like it does have a the narrative. Mighty Boosh? Yeah, the Mighty Boosh. I, yeah, I never watched on, the Mighty Boosh, but like I know of it, like just by name. It's on Hulu, and I highly recommend it. Rich Fulcher is absolutely hilarious in it. He plays a zookeeper who is just, I mean, just nuts. And one of the funniest running gags in in the first season is that he's a, he's a, owns a zoo and he doesn't know the name of any animals. So anytime he's like he's like, hey, we got a problem with the windy man. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, the long windy man. You mean the snake? <laughs> <laughs> or he's like the big the big gray. What is he? I forget what he calls the elephant, but like the big gray thing with four legs. And he's got another leg on his face. He like that's how he describes like every every animal oh um gosh. the walking carpet i think is what he calls you know the russian walking carpet is the bear it's it's just it's just <laughs> hilarious um he's just so wacky and crazy in that and i i think he played this part really well when you realize how difficult it is to do what he had to do in an improv way so he comes out and says that the lunch is going to be delayed because there's been a disturbance in the kitchen he just dodges every question that Larry asks, like, what kind of disturbance? Just a general uh, kitchen disturbance. <laughs> but, you know, the thing, like, he won't answer directly any question that Larry Nothing. asks him. No yeah. questions. Yeah. And I think that took a lot of skill to do well because he yes. does give a, an answer with confidence. But and and he's like, and I have just answered that question. But it's like, no, what? No, you haven't. He's like, I think you'll find that I did. It was just a really it was. The only way you could, it's like he had to deny Larry at every turn by yes anding. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he had to break the rule of improv by not answering the question, but but still answer the question. It was it it was it was a masterclass. I think it was awesome. Even like even about his tie, he was like, all right, well, I bet if I ask you about what color is your tie, he's like, well, I'll of course I'll tell you that I'm definitely wearing a tie, and there it is right there, and I think it's obvious what color it is. Like he, but he never says it's blue. You know? He never, never even answers anything specific. <laughs> it, it was, it was hilarious. And Larry just gets up and goes to the bathroom. But on the way to the bathroom, he passes the kitchen. He goes in to ask the chef what the disturbance was, and the chef is also very cagey about the disturbance. By the way, I didn't recognize him till the end. Did you recognize the chef? <laughs> oh, I recognize Chef Steve Ranazizi. <laughs> And it so, looks like you know he's he's much better at uh, at improv whenever he's uh, you know not you know not having to come up with where he was on nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, when I saw it, because I always watch the credits to see if there's any you know guest star I missed or whatever, and I, I recognized his name, but I never watched the league. But as someone who oh, didn't watch did. the league, yeah. that's what I know him for. <laughs> when did you, that come out? You, was o- it- you only know about his nine eleven lie. Yeah, and it made me think. <laughs> I was like. Maybe that was the best thing. I mean, that's the long game going like, you know what? If I don't get famous on the league, people are going to know my name anyway. <laughs> uh, because, let's see. I mean, that when did that out. come out? 
2015. So this was two years later. Two the years episode later. of Curb was two years later. He's, he's still back. got he still got his role on Curb after we are so back. After being <laughs> after lying about what he did on 9-11. After he's lying still, about being in 9-11. Yeah, after, like, after lying about like, yeah, what what did he he said like I I worked on the fifty fourth floor. He was like working in one of the buildings or yeah. something, and he and he escaped. I think yeah. was his was his big lie. <laughs> yeah, he he lied about nine eleven escaped to fit in. Oh boy! But you know what's funny is like it almost is fitting that he's on Curb because of Curb's relationship with nine eleven. Like they already had an episode about a guy who kind of lies by proxy for lies by omission and by proxy for his brother in law or whatever. He's like he died on nine eleven. Yeah, that's, well, that's he was a, he was a bike messenger and he got hit by a car uptown. Yeah, he, was, he was uptown. <laughs> he was all the way uptown and he got hit I, by a car. I love uh, Steve Ranazizi's Wikipedia, the the table of contents. Personal yeah. life, nine eleven controversy, filmography. <laughs> yeah, I love that when you go to someone's page and maybe it's something you didn't even know about. It's like you know, early life. Profession, you know, getting started, being canceled. Like, wait, what? What did I miss? What? <laughs> what did I miss? Yes. Yeah. What did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's Chef Steve Ranazizi, who I didn't recognize until the very end. I didn't know he was a redhead. He looked like a oh, redhead. Yeah. yeah. I always yeah, I pictured him as like a dark brown hair. I don't know. I, I was I was totally caught off guard. But yeah, he's also very cagey about the disturbance in the kitchen. He gets into a huge argument with Larry about it. One that I felt went on a little too long. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I was kind of like, and it because it wasn't as funny as you know. It was like a heated argument, and it was almost done. I was done with it a lot sooner than they were, and it wasn't as funny as him asking the questions and and Rich Vulture dodging them. It really kind of like diminished just this one part. Kind of diminished the episode. Yeah, to I, me. I will. I will say that uh, if this was improv, Ranazizi's not bad at improv. Uh, much yeah. better than, and, and I get it's the bit uh, yeah. for for uh, this actor not being great at improving. I, yeah, I get yeah. that's like the story of the episode. Uh, but he's better than that person later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, I I did kind of like the bit where Larry tries to come up with a hypothetical situation about his kids, like, oh, you come home and your kids on the floor bleeding, and uh, your, your wife goes, oh, it was a disturbance. And I, yeah, know. and I I I loved like the uh, the the beat that they take of like just sheer bewilderment <laughs> because like what the fuck is Larry talking about? This situation is nothing like what he's describing. Who are the kids that are unconscious in this situation? The food? I think it's the food, yeah. (laughs) I think it's Larry's lunch. (laughs) He's equating his lunch with human life, which, you know, that's a theme of the episode, too. Equating things with human life that are I not guess, equal yeah. in the that's, eye that's of, very of true. all parties. <laughs> so they're, we're, wow, we're, we're picking up on some heavy, you know, thematic threads in this episode. So maybe it is. <laughs> maybe the, maybe it didn't sour it for me. Maybe I'm coming around on it. Um, I, and, and the thing about like, you know, oh, you're being a little child because you have a secret. He's like, no, I'm the adult and you're being the child. Like that, arg- that whole part of the argument too. Larry, you know, gets kicked out of the kitchen, goes back to the table where Jeff has just got off the phone with Susie, whose little sister a.k.a. from the Big Sisters Little Sisters program. The little sister didn't come home last night, and so they've got to they've go. Why Susie didn't discover this until noon, 
or I don't know, maybe the you know maybe the little sister you know her door was closed and she doesn't normally wake up until noon. I guess I can see that. That maybe lunchtime is when you discover I'm going to go in there and wake her up. Wait a second, she's not here. Um, it just seemed a little late in the day. Uh, so over at Jeff's in the driveway, whoa, Ted Danson's new Tesla. Ooh, were Teslas brand new in 2017? Uh, they may have been. 2008? 2008. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm finding. Followed by the Model S sedan in 2012, and then the Model X SUV, which launched in 2015. I mean, this was a sedan. Yeah, yeah this is definitely was... a sedan. But then again, six-year break in the in the seasons, yeah. they definitely increased their that's market right. share uh, from 2011 to 2017. Yeah, yeah. So, what, so five years past the you know the the sedan being on the market, I guess it's still cool. Hell, I mean, it's still cool for me to see one. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when I saw one in Erie for the first time, I was like, what the? Oh, Whoa. damn. I mean, honestly, that probably was around this time, um, like 2017, been, yeah. 2018 or something. Yeah. Uh, in the Wegmans parking lot, of course. Um, <laughs> not going to find time I s- <laughs> First time I saw one in person, like, and I got to sit in one was the weekend of my wedding in 2019. So not yeah. too long after this. And, and you know, the the... Uh, the wow factor was still there, and yeah. also like Elon hadn't been uh, <laughs> totally unmasked as yeah. this. Uh, uh, <laughs> it just keeps I, getting better. I, I I don't even know. You know, like calling him one thing feels like it negates all of the other bad things that he does. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It, yeah. as he's been unmasked as the person that he is, is the best thing I can say. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing, the thing we knew all along, the, the thing, the things, the things, that, the things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I, you know, it, it would be four years after you sat in one that I would finally sit in one when you read it. So, That's right. That's yeah. right. And I thought it was cool. I was still amazed by it. Um, so, uh, inside Cheryl and Ted don't even recognize Larry. Ted introduces himself, but I mean, do you think this was fake or do you think he didn't recognize him? Cause he goes, Hey, Ted Danson, nice to meet you. And he's like, and Larry's like, whatever. He's like, come on, dumbass, It's me or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't tell because then when Larry's like, you know, Ted's like, Oh my gosh, were you at the hotel? Cause then they yeah, kind I, of remember him, which makes me think Ted was fucking with him. I think he's got to be fucking with him because like yeah. they didn't even interact in the hotel. Like he looks at him briefly. Yeah. And I mean, this is supposedly what weeks after the hotel thing. Weeks it's tough to after, know. Yeah. After the pickle thing. Uh, it, it's tough to pinpoint, but like Tim, if you had to pinpoint just a single person that you saw in a mall or a hotel, oh. would you be able to recognize that face like days later? Probably not. I wouldn't. No. And, I mean, and if I, I did, I certainly wouldn't go, I know exactly where I saw you. Yeah. And I'm someone who, like, I, I learn faces <laughs> before I learn names, and I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he must have. because And in that um, hotel interaction, Ted does see him and sort of, like, diverted Cheryl from the bar. She was like, well, we'll just get a drink here. And he's like, uh, no, let's go somewhere else. So I think he did clock Larry in that instance and, it, and was fucking with him here. Uh, but Cheryl has a cute new nickname for her new beau. She calls him T. Oh, could you give me a give me a sparkling water? Oh, thanks, T. Don't forget iced tea or something like that. Iced tea. And Larry's like, "What? Well, oh, you got little nicknames? You never called me a nickname. You could have called me L or Elvid. <laughs> <Where does he laughs> come up with Elvid. 
Um, and I, I'm assuming just you know the L spelling out E L for Larry and yeah. the ha- last half of David, David Elvid yeah. Elvid. But yeah, like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I mean LD is a better. He people LD. do call him LD, and people that's such have a better him LD. Yeah. yeah. But I guess maybe you don't want your everybody nickname to be the same as your significant other nickname. You know, it's like, well, no, that's, that's like true. our pet name. You know, the pet name is different from a nickname. But she's like, yeah. oh, thanks, T. Susie interrupts the nickname convo saying that, you know, her, her she, that we all have to look for my little sister. She is so talented. This to me was maybe the line of the episode. <laughs> Remember how talented Sammy was at her age? And Larry goes, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was That was incredibly good. <laughs> Um, well, her little sister is even more talented and she brings up this dance recital on her phone and starts sh- showing it to Larry. And he's like, all right, I get it. I, I know. And sh- of course, Susie is pissed off to no end that he won't watch the entire dance routine um, or the entire dance. Re- what do you want me to watch the entire dance recital? And she's like, yes, I do. <laughs> and so they're like, all right, we're going to form a search party. Which Larry has a weird line after this. What is this? Oklahoma in eighteen ninety six or something like that? I like, am glad you brought this up. What Tim, do you mean? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. What does he mean? What happened in Tulsa in eighteen seventy? <laughs> it's just a weird way. I just think he was referencing the old west, like, you know, hey, let's get a posse. But search party is not an old west term. You know, if she no. just said posse or something like that. We got to round up a search posse or I don't know. Um, but yeah, like that's not a weird thing. Not a weird outdated term to use search party. Um, and, and and Oklahoma in 1895 or whatever is a weird way to say the old West. You know. <laughs> but I did like this too. when he's like, oh, can I look for, he asked Ted dancing. Can I look for her in your Tesla? Cause I want to drive it. <laughs> and Ted, <laughs> well, why, is, did, why didn't he ask if like, Hey Ted, you and I go look for her together yeah. and I want to drive your Tesla. Yeah, that would that would have been a little more, uh, I, I don't know, normal. I think. Yeah, because where does Ted go? Because presumably Cheryl just, came in the Tesla. I'm assuming, yeah, Ted and Cheryl go with someone else that has a car, or maybe they're just walking. <laughs> <laughs> but did you hear that after Ted gives him the keys, he says, "Thanks, T." So he used uh, Cheryl's <laughs> little nickname for him. Oh, thanks, T. Uh, so in the Tesla. Larry pulls up behind a cop who is stopped at a light that turns green. And so Larry beeps his horn. Officer Damon Wayans Jr. steps out. Yeah, coach. <laughs> who I saw in preview for this episode. at the, which uh, was at the end, okay. Yeah, the new preview that I discovered at, at the end of Curb episodes. Um, yeah, so uh, he steps out and, you know, asks why he's honking at a cop. And he's like, what? The light had turned green. Are you above the beep? And the cop thinks he is above the beep, but Larry thinks it's his right to beep at anybody. Yeah, who's Larry on the says road. no one's above the beep. Yeah, no one's above the beep. Beep. I mean, as much as I'm on Larry's side, I would never do what he did. And honestly, I mean, that's sort of the central tenet of Curb is that Larry, a lot of times, sometimes he's way out of line, but it's Larry living the life that he, all the stuff he wishes he could do to people in society, but he would probably never do himself. This is one of those things that I think everybody would go. Yeah, light's green, but I'm definitely not honking at a cop. But Larry David will gladly honk at a cop because that's yeah. because I agree with him. He's well within his rights to do that. I'm, that's free speech. Yeah, I mean something uh, not honking, but something very similar to this happened to me driving one of the radio station vans in oh Erie. So I'm going to a remote. You know, I'm stopped at a light. I'm turning left. 
oncoming from me, there is a cop coming straight on, right? Mm -hmm. Light turns green. Obviously, the cop has the right of way. I'm not going. I'm waiting. I have my signal on. Light is still green. I'm not going. Cop's Mm -hmm. not going. It's Mm. been about five seconds at this point. I decide to go because the cop is not going. At that point, cop turns right, lights go on, and I'm like, well, why'd you pull out in front of me? I have the right of way. I'm like, but you weren't fucking going, you dickhead. (laughs) So what happened? Like, what really really happened? (laughs) Yeah. Well, naturally, I didn't say any of that because... (laughs) <laughs> because I'm in a, a big old fucking billboard of where I work. <laughs> it would have been great to see you slammed up against it face first. <laughs> <laughs> On my way to uh, the uh, the car dealership, like, yeah. hey, I'm gonna be gonna be a little late. I'm in jail right now for for telling a cop that he was a dickhead. But no, I I just got a warning and. Uh. Did he? Uh, I mean, he, of course. I'm like, why do I? Why would I even ask if he admitted any wrongdoing? It's a police officer we're talking about here. Uh, when it's murder, <laughs> they don't admit any wrongdoing, and this yeah. was no of course, a simple of Pittsburgh left. Yeah, of course he didn't admit any wrongdoing. I said, but I I was just going because you weren't going, and you know what he told me? Doesn't what? matter. Well, I'll bring up the Pittsburgh left again. I mean, tell that to an entire city. Like, <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. it in action the other day, and I was like, great. I said to myself, I was like. Great use of the Pittsburgh left right there. Everyone yeah, let him li- let him go. Yeah, literally told me, doesn't matter. You gotta wait. And I'm like, but you weren't fucking going. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't get it. Doesn't matter. Gotta wait. What if you were dead? I I, I gotta wait there I got, until the I gotta wait. comes. I gotta wait till the fucking hearse shows up. <laughs> I gotta wait until they drag your body away in whatever ambulance or hearse. Gotta Am wait. I still waiting at this point? <laughs> so annoying. So, so I'm going to wait until they tow the cop car out of there, <laughs> yeah. and then I can go? Then you can go with o- the tow truck Only if passes. there's no one backed up behind you at this point? Then I got to wait for them? If you had said all of this, you'd be exactly in Larry's position, because he got a ticket for, yes. for challenging the police officer on this occasion. And Larry said he is going to protest this ticket. Uh, he can't wait, because he knows he's in the right. And I totally... This is a free speech case, if I ever heard one. I mean, you know... You're right to beep your horn. At least he didn't. I guess it's a good thing he didn't have it. Maybe they hadn't introduced the fart horn at this point. Uh, probably <laughs> not. Probably. I guess not. it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably not. He, he was. <laughs> Elon was still hoping that stock would go up at this point. I guess. Um, yeah. So back at home, Larry and Leon have been stood up on card night. None of the regular players are showing up, and it's probably because of the fatwa. They, you know, they don't want to, they're not even texting because they don't want to be in the text chain in case, you know, they get fatwaed by association. <laughs> I liked Leon's rule about not mumbling about SWAT. Whatever you oh do, don't mumble about SWAT. I like, really? I can't mumble? I'd love to mumble. Look, this, this is episode three of the season. I'm hoping this pays off in the best possible way because this felt like they're setting the groundwork for something i'm hoping this pays (laughs) off and this isn't just a one and done line if my my only guess is that it gets paid off in uh, in like just a couple seconds here but i I hope you're right i would love if it it paid off again (laughs) because larry can't find his can't find his glasses he calls them his dr strange love glasses uh and he doesn't know where they are but leon leon doesn't know what he's talking about but he hasn't seen them and SWAT makes a disturbance in the kitchen, 
<laughs> and won't own up to it. He's like, what do you mean disturbance? I'm just cooking. And then Larry mumbles under his voice like, well, if I made a disturbance in the kitchen, he's like, and then SWAT comes around the corner. What the fuck do you say? <laughs> and I, Leon's like, what the fuck did I just say? Don't mumble about SWAT. <laughs> yeah. He literally just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was a good that was a good enough payoff for me. But again, See, if it comes back man, later, I'm with you. I, I really want it to be I really want it to be uh Larry like, you know, second strike, Larry gets the second strike, but then third strike is almost like uh we saw how he gets uh what was the judge last season? Judge something. Um the TV judge. Oh yeah, Judge Horner? Judge Horn? I think Judge it might Horn. just be Judge Horn, yeah. Yeah, Judge Horn, how he gets Judge Horn to, uh, and he plays uh, chess against Wanda Sykes because Larry knows that Judge Horn is racist, but yeah, Wanda yeah. doesn't oh, know that. So, yeah, so I'm, he tricks really somebody like, into yeah, mumbling. Like, yeah, he tricks somebody into mumbling about SWAT like towards the end of the season, and then he just like, SWAT like just beats them down. I'm, that is pretty good. I'm hoping it gets to that point. Again, we're only on episode three, so there's still... <laughs> There's still the chance, you know, episode three, episode seven, episode 10, boom, right there. Yeah. I, I just loved, oh, I, I can't talk about SWAT? Not under your breath. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. It, just in the next second, uh, now everybody has canceled golf on Larry. And he's like, I, I can't live like this. You know, I mean, he, he's living in fear. He can't go out. Nobody wants to be around him. And Larry's like, you know what? There's only one man who can help me in this situation. And cut to... Salman Rushdie's house, where Larry <laughs> is getting counsel from. I like when he's like, "What do I call you?" Uh, uh, you know, you can call me Salmon. He's like, "Oh, it's it's the emphasis on the second. He's, it's also not salmon." I I think everybody always knew it was not salmon. Like Jesus. that is how you pronounce the fish. That's like S A L M O N. Salmon Rushdie. Salmon Rushdie. I always said I always pronounce the L. Salmon Rushdie. I thought I think everybody knew that it wasn't salmon. <laughs> But I never knew it was Salmon. I like that. If I had the name, if I had a name that people could confuse with Salmon, I would put the emphasis on a weird syllable like that. Sal- Salmon. Salmon. Salmon Rushdie. Salmon Rushdie. Yeah. Larry Larry is, you know, just asking him for advice. How do you deal with the, the fatwa? He's like, you know what? It took me years to get to the point that I am now. But I'm going to try to give you a shortcut to this complacency, to just being comfortable with having a fatwa. It is something that women find attractive many women find the fatwa it, it wraps you in this danger that you know that some women find attractive and you could get fatwa sex out of it but you have to be a man you have to drop the disguise and the fatwa sex will follow <laughs> and and you know you kind of have to say fuck it and larry's like huh fuck it Okay, so he rips off his disguise, and, and Salmon's like, let's go get a bite to eat. And so over back, now we're at the same restaurant that Jeff and Larry were at at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it was called, th- yeah. This is an odd thing, because, I mean, how many times, like, in an episode do L- Larry and Jeff or, or Larry and someone else just go out to a restaurant? A lot, right? Yeah, yeah. How many times do they go to the same restaurant Every instance that they're getting drinks or food in a single episode. Never, 
Right? That's true. That's true. It's always a couple different ones. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're going out to dinner tonight. All right. We're going to a different restaurant. Oh, I got a date. Oh, it's a different restaurant. Now I'm meeting Richard to tell him about the date. Different restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Every instance where they're getting dinner or drinks, it's the same restaurant in this episode. And they also had, and Larry also had a bad experience at the restaurant. Like there was a disturbance in the kitchen. I don't know why he would be so willing to go back. (laughs) Yeah. Except it is in his hood. Estate restaurant and bar is now closed but it was at 1519 wilshire boulevard in santa monica where uh, okay that most curb restaurants are so maybe that's what it was it was just just convenient uh, i don't know when it closed but their last facebook post was august 18th of 2020 so perhaps a you know a, a covid uh, victim um and you know what i didn't look up hang on a second normally i i go into street view I don't want uh, I don't want my fellow location curb location heads to be disappointed. There's so many of us. <laughs> um, let me see what's there now at 1519 Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica. It is another restaurant called La Condesa, Latin American ah. cuisine. Mm, yeah, looks cool. Looks cool. So over at Estate, he shows up with Salman Rushdie, and a hush falls over the crowd as they come in. And this is a, a big step for Larry. He's like feeling a lot better. You know, he's he's out and he didn't die immediately. Salman starts asking him about, you know, let's, let's just, you know, making him a little more comfortable. Let's talk about Fatwa the musical. That's why this all happened, right? You know, it's about me. Who were you going to have playing me? And Larry's like, well, you know, I mean, it, it's not going to happen now, but I thought Jason Alexander would be great. Uh, and Which Salman- as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, God, yeah. I could oh, absolutely see. I could absolutely see. Jason Alexander playing Rushdie. I mean, but... it now I want to see Fatwa the musical because that's perfect <laughs> casting. But this, they made Salman Rushdie so funny. Just like they do with professional athletes, they made this, I don't know, award-winning, best-selling, you know, one of the greatest writers of our time. Not that I, that's what people say. I've never read anything by him. <laughs> um, I'm starting to talk like Trump there. They say pe- Salmon's great. I wouldn't know. Pe- I don't read, pe- but pe- they say he's people. great, right, folks? I, I've, I've heard great things about him. <laughs> one of the best writers of all time. He's, he, we pe- definitely he, call people him say he's really, really great. Salmon, Rushdie. We love salmon, don't we, folks? We, we love it we on love, the plates. We, we love, we love salmon. We love it at McDonald's. <laughs> Everybody loves McDonald's, including love salmon Rushdie. The Muslims, they don't like him, but we like him. Maybe, folks, yes. They say he's great. Everyone says he's great. So, But I love it that they made him dumb. <laughs> they made him, like, dumb and superficial. We, we, like, all he cares about is getting it, getting laid and he wants Hugh Jackman to play him in Fatwa the Musical. Which is incredible. <laughs> oh, you know what? A-plus casting. Make it work. <laughs> Let's get Hugh Jackman as Salman Rushdie yeah. in Fatwa the Musical. At least we know he can sing. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah. uh, although, you know, we know Jason Alexander can sing as well. So oh, yeah. get, a, get Jason Alexander in there as like... I don't know, uh, another role or something. but I, I think it, it'd be inappropriate, but I think Hugh Jackman could play the Ayatollah and Jason Alexander could play Salman Rushdie. Oh, my God. I think that's good casting right there. But you probably want an Arab to play. You know, that's, You're already going to piss off the that, Ayatollah by that's, making a musical mocking him. <laughs> I was going to say, that's... that's uh, and I mean, hey, he's uh, been on Curb for a full season. That's some Mel Brooks-level casting right there. <laughs> So, but I, but I just love that they made Salman like just so dumb and superficial. You know, he's like the the best thing about the fatwa 
is getting laid and also i look like hugh jackman <laughs> um he, he explains to him the fatwa can also get you out of anything you know which oh my god the second larry hears this yes. is like this this is his willy wonka golden ticket right here well he I'm makes s- a different reference that i have to look up he's like it's like the fatwa life of riley i don't know <sighs> what that meant i i gotta look I, that up like Everyone knows what Willy Wonka is. Just yeah, say fucking Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it gets it's the magical golden ticket. Yeah, but you know he's like oh, you, your cousin wants him to come. But and this sounded like a real Salman Rushdie thing. It's like your cousin wants you to come to his poetry reading. Like that sounds like something that Salman Rushdie actually went through. You know, like my cousin's a writer too, and he wants me to come to his stupid thing. Like it's not going to be as good as me. Um, I just like that little that little kernel of this fake Salman Rushdie's real life that they insert is like, your cousin wants you to come to a poetry reading. Can't. Fatwa. Oh, you got to pick me up at the airport. Can't do it. Fatwa. Can't do it. Fatwa. And yeah, <laughs> Larry's like, it's like the Fatwa life of Riley. Again, I'm going to look that up. I don't know what the reference meant. Um, and so we get a, this is now Larry thinks the Fatwa is pretty, pretty, pretty good. And who sends over a drink to Larry David? But Elizabeth Banks. Yes. Yeah. All the guest and stars in this episode. So many guest stars. Pretty huge. Yeah. Pretty pretty big app um, for, pretty, for Salman Rushdie to be in. Pretty, pretty, pretty big. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a what did she send him by the way? Is it just water? I couldn't tell. <laughs> it looks like water I, with lemon. <laughs> I don't think it's ever stated what the drink was. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the waiter comes over like courtesy of the women over there, and uh, we should. Honestly, be very funny if it was water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really looked like that. There's Ladies no over there, send it. you a complimentary soda yeah. water. It doesn't. It's not. It couldn't be like a gin and tonic because there's like nothing. You know, there were no bubbles. But um, you know. So uh, and Elizabeth Banks is just enamored by Larry's philosophy on the fatwa. You know, and he's like, and and even Elizabeth Banks' friend is like, is that Salman Rushdie over there? And he's like, yep. We're the Fatwa boys. <laughs> uh, and it's at that point that manager Rich Fulcher comes over again and says that lunch is going to be delayed because there's a disturbance in the kitchen. And Larry's like, I've heard all this before. He's not going to tell not- you what's going on. <laughs> he's, he's not going to tell you anything. And he even says, like, I know I'm going to tell them and proceeds to not tell them what the disturbance is. Yeah. And he's like, well, you, you didn't actually say anything. He's like, I, I have said what the disturbance was. We have a very big kitchen and we're moving forward and your lunches will be out shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so over at Jeff's, Larry is explaining his new lease on life. Susie is incredulous that he's even talking to someone like Elizabeth Banks. Larry asks if Susie can also look for Larry's glasses while she's looking for the little sister. He's like, you know, you're going to be looking for something anyway. If you see my glasses, just have it in the back of your mind. And this is another instance of someone equating something with human life. It's really <laughs> pissing off Susie that he's equating looking for glasses with looking for a human. But Jeff's also lost his cub hat. And so Larry's <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, I'll, I will bring your little sister to the forefront of my mind right up e- in equal footing with the glasses. But then when the cub's hat comes into play, he's like, ah, all right, I'm going to move the little sister back two paces the Cubs hat's going to be in the front with the glasses, and we're going to look for all of them. Um, and I like that Larry can only have a couple things in his mind at a time in the forefront. Uh, Ted comes over, and Larry blames the aggressive horn 
on the Tesla for getting the ticket. He was just trying to do a simple like beep beep, you know, like the little like beep when someone's not paying attention. But instead, you know, the the Tesla horn only comes out with a loud, aggressive beep. And Ted thinks he's crazy uh, that he beeped at a cop and he's blaming it on him. So in court, Larry is fighting the ticket and he's monologuing, ladies and gentlemen. He's like going <laughs> off on this like Mister Mister Deeds goes to Washington, whatever it is, like kind of uh, you know. I think he did have a case again. Like, if he should have brought, he should have. This cop was infringing on his free speech. Oh, you know, absolutely! Punishing him for beeping his horn. That's that's exactly what that is. This is a First Amendment case. Uh, he and he compares. You know, this is the first time the cop has ever been in court for getting beeped at. And Larry says, "Well, I'm a pioneer in that case." Much like, again, to a black police officer and a black oh, judge, yeah, like Rosa Parks. Oh. Jackie Robinson. <laughs> oh God! And then he starts and, and, agreeing <laughs> when they bring up Martin Luther King or Harriet Tubman <laughs> or Malcolm X. Malcolm X is another one. <laughs> yes, Larry agrees. He is very much like those pioneers. Uh, and then he offers the judge a ricola because he's probably talking all day. And and the judge is like, "Well, I'm I'm definitely not going to eat your warm pocket candy." <laughs> Which, oh my God, <laughs> such a good line. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> If that was an improv, it's like like one of those great lines that yeah that they probably did a couple times. I would hope, uh, or I would think, if they had to do multiple takes, like yeah, keep warm pocket candy. That's great. Larry's like, well, how about you give it back then? Uh, like and, if you uh, don't even intend on yeah. e- eating it, then don't just take give it back. It. Uh, and, and Larry steps into the well, and I liked these. Like, sir, could you step back? You're in the well. He's like, oh, I didn't know I was in the well. It would, have, it would have been great if you could have told me that this was the well. You, you, you didn't even tell me. We were just outside. Yeah, the bailiff, he points to him. He's like, you could have told me I, I'm not allowed in the well. The cop is, he's like, I'm, I'm having a really good time. I'm glad I came today. <laughs> yeah, like he says like, yeah, he says like, I'm, ha- I'm having a really good time. I'm glad I came to this. This is not going the way you thought it would. Yeah, this is not going the way you thought it would. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and <laughs> and Larry is like, uh, the judge isn't paying attention to this point. He's like, uh, yoo-hoo, do you hear how this guy's talking to me? And the judge is like, did you just yoo-hoo me? And he's like, well, yeah, you weren't paying attention, so I yoo-hooed you. <laughs> You know, so Larry loses his case because he yoo-hooed the judge. But again, <laughs> free speech. The judge was not paying attention, just like the yeah. cop was not paying attention. Larry you definitely yoo-hoo. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe in maybe in like court, it's it's different. Yeah, there might there might be an issue there, but it doesn't. <laughs> there, there, you know. m- there might be a no yoo-hoo policy. Which, no, don't man, yoo-hoo the judge. You have yeah. to say your honor. Excuse next me, your time, honor, or something like ne- that. Ne- next time I next time I show up to court, it's going to be <laughs> only with uh, uh, Gallagher's two percent chocolate milk. I am not <laughs> taking my yoo-hoo in there. I don't want to take any chances. <laughs> Uh, I did like Larry's line. Let the record show I had a good time in the well. <laughs> uh, so in Ted's Tesla, he pulls up behind a work truck. Uh, this Ted, is Ted, Ted now, Danson, yeah. yeah. Ted Danson's driving his own Tesla, and he pulls up behind a work truck. The light turns green, and instead of uh, a short little, hey, little pay attention beep, the Tesla's loud ass beep happens, and Oliver Anthony steps out of the work truck. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it's just a ginger guy with a beard, but come on. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Some guy who's, uh, you know, taking all of his anger against corrupt yeah. politicians and somehow targeting it against, like, people on welfare for whatever reason. Like, guy, get your <laughs> get your priorities straight here. No, no. It's it's everybody. Yeah, it's everybody on, on welfare. Where's welfare's fault? 
Yeah, so Oliver Anthony gets out, and he assaults Ted for the aggressive beep. Essentially tries to pull him out through the driver's side window. Uh, and Ted's defense is not fighting back. It's, wait, it's me, Ted Danson. Remember from Cheers and Becker? <laughs> wait, you don't want to beat up Ted Danson. Uh, you can't blame him. He tried. So, <laughs> he tried. Wait, it's me, Ted Danson. Uh, over, back over at Jeff's, Larry brings Elizabeth Banks over to gloat in front of Cheryl. I love how similar Elizabeth Banks is to Larry and how he is just eating it up with a fork and spoon. Her interactions with Susie, who's trying to be nice to someone she respects because of how famous <laughs> she is. But she's like, oh, I know exactly how you feel losing you know, your little sister because I once lost a cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, she's just so perfect for Larry because she won't let go, even though Susie's like, well, this is a living person, you know. Uh, and she's like, well, I mean, I treated Mr. Noodles like he was my kid. I mean, he was to me, you know. And she's like, again, we're talking flesh and blood. And she's like, yeah, well, not your flesh and blood. Like, <laughs> like coming back. And Larry's Which is just like. a really good line, too. <laughs> And Larry's just sitting back, like, staring at Susie, like, you're not going to say anything to Elizabeth Banks. If this were me, I'd be out of my ass right away, but you're not going to say shit to Elizabeth Banks. Uh, but she does call Larry Elvid, which is great. He's got a little nickname. <laughs> and it's at that point that a cop car pulls up. It is Officer Damon Wayans Jr., and he has Susie's little sister, who also happens to have Larry's, Larry's Dr. Love sunglasses yeah. on her head, and he pushes Susie out of the way. <laughs> and grabs the sunglasses and he embraces Elizabeth Banks because he's finally got his sunglasses back. This I thought was, uh, you know, Damon Wayans Jr. played a great role here because he's such a great smug cop. Like in the courtroom, him saying, I'm having a really good time. Like that, just that delivery cracked me up. <laughs> and I like this too when she's like, oh my God, where was she? Well, she was at her boyfriend's. No, she wasn't. She doesn't have a boyfriend. All right. <laughs> that all I mean, right that, was amazing. Because that's what Susie said earlier on. Yeah. Like the the one of the first things anyone suggested was, well, she had her boyfriends. <laughs> no, she doesn't have a boyfriend. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, and now she's telling the cop who found her that he didn't find her there. And I love his all right. All <laughs> that right. just like said everything. Like you know best. Uh, even though I'm the one who found her. All right. It said all of that in one. One little word. And Larry spots Jeff's Cubs hat on the roof. Larry grabs a rake. He's going to get it down. He grabs a ladder and a rake. And Elizabeth's line here was great. Oh, Larry, David, is there nothing you're afraid of? Climbing up a three-foot ladder? To, wow. To get a Larry, David, you're so brave. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And he gets the hat down. But in the process, he drops the rake on the car, leaving a huge mark across the hood. And so Elizabeth Banks and Larry book it away from the scene to a state we're back at a state again again <laughs> and the officer comes looking for larry but he is intercepted by the manager who honestly does larry a solid by dodging all of the cop's questions about larry is one of our more frequent guests that is correct he, I think he says like one of our more uh engaging guests or one yeah. of our more engaged guests yeah and yeah. i just want to say like the line that the manager drops in, you know, trying to uh, unintentionally obfuscate the cop. He's like, I will always do whatever I can to back <laughs> our boys in blue 110%. This is everyone who's got the fucking blue line flag <laughs> on the back of their car. This is how yeah. I see them. Is this do nothing 
bumblefuck <laughs> manager. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Until the cops are like protecting the Capitol, for instance. And then it's like, well, fuck the boys in blue. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or in, in instances, maybe not as extreme as that. But, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it, it's you're exactly right. So the officer eventually gets by the manager's uh, uh, delay tactics. And before that, though, Larry and Elizabeth Banks run back, back by the kitchen and they concoct a story about how the wind blew the rake off of the roof onto the car and they saw it from across the street where they were buying lemonade from a Girl Scout. And the the cop comes back and Elizabeth Banks takes the lead and she is an awful actress. She goes on this weird monologue forgetting every single detail that they came up with. Larry trying <laughs> she, to fill in the she, blanks. She does, this- she does circle back at some point to, and then the rake fell on your car. Like, yeah. And Larry just like hanging back and only kind of filling in details when she's like stumbling over a and and they were the um yeah uh, we we bought uh, the the drink uh, lemonade the, from the, the brownies the, they were the brownies you know and Larry's like Girl the, Scouts he's like yes Girl Scouts the, the Arnold Parkers Arnold Parkers <laughs> yeah she's like no it was Arnold Par- Parker uh yeah and Larry just sitting back watching the plane go down. Uh, and <laughs> and the- she's taking so long, like she's clearly <laughs> like thinking of it on the fly. Yeah, yeah, like just completely unable to improv, as you alerted to, <laughs> as you alluded to earlier. Uh, and so the cop is like, "All right, I'm taking you in," and drags Larry through the kitchen. Oh, by the but uh, before that though, I love at the end of her of her horrible performance, Elizabeth Banks bows. She's like. And that's how the rake fell on your car. And she takes a bow. <laughs> As if it was a performance. And then he's like, all right, I'm taking you in. And the cop drags Larry through the kitchen, causing a disturbance in the kitchen, which causes the manager to go out to another ki- table and explain that their lunch will be delayed because of a disturbance in the kitchen. And that's when Frolic starts to play. All right. Yep. Tim. What do we got for homework this week? We have got, uh, what is the Fatwa life of Riley? What the hell was he talking about? Okay. Is that That's it? anything else? <laughs> All right. Sweet. What do you like for cover art this week? I mean, something with Larry and, and Salman Rushdie, I think it's got to be. I think so. Maybe like them that meeting, so cool. like maybe him like swatting Larry's disguise off. Yeah. Yeah. Or them at lunch or something like. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do out of all those, those options. Let's see what we can do about this week's description though. Okay. So we had Larry turns to a writer for advice, semicolon, searching for Susie's missing quote unquote little sister, comma, he gets ticketed by an overzealous cop. Is it that bad? I don't think it's that bad. I don't know if it's that bad, yeah. Again, we we talked about like I think they in the six years they were gone, I think they hired a new synopsis writer. Right, I know, yeah, for this season in the six years in between. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not I mean, I would love to be I would love to put in something like Larry meets a new something, and, th- and th- but I don't. Th- I think that's all encapsulated in ask for advice from a writer. You know, <laughs> I, I think so too. Yeah, because yeah. Rushdie gives him a lot of advice. Yep. Yeah, that leads to Elizabeth Banks, and you don't even need to bring anything up about Ted and Cher. Like, yeah, I, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think although I think it's covered. Do you want to know if? chat gpt could do a better job now that yeah now that the head has been shown the door and is on his way to microsoft maybe (laughs) maybe they've (laughs) rebooted this or something maybe they so and i I changed the prompt write an accurate synopsis of season three 
of episode nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm, A Disturbance in the Kitchen. What actually happens in that episode that aired October 17th, 2017? Jeez. And here's what came back. In A Disturbance in the Kitchen, Larry David embarks on a quest to retrieve his beloved golf club from the home of Wanda Sykes' character, who took it during a party at his house. (laughs) Meanwhile, Larry's latest faux pas involves an accidental cut on the assistant of a celebrity chef's sous chef, causing chaos and escalating tension. As he navigates these situations, Larry's social missteps lead to comedic conflicts and misunderstandings, showcasing his knack for landing in awkward yet humorous predicaments. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Where did us. any of that come from? <laughs> now it's just mocking us, having changed the prompt. <laughs> like, what? This is has already been on TV. Here is the air date. Tell me what the, happened. <laughs> there are things written about this episode. Things that exist in your GBT literally just pulls from <laughs> things that are already written. Nope. Going to continue making up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's yeah. Going to keep getting better. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I, I think I think we uh, we have something already better than uh than chat GPT anyway, but all right, Tim, did you like this episode? This is a tough one, Ted. I was all ready to not give it a star after the first like five or 10 minutes, or maybe five minutes after the first five minutes or so. And then the rest of the episode kind of grew on me. And like, this might be my, my average episode for now. I, I, I think this, yeah, because like, obviously talking about like the last 30 minutes of it or whatever, was better than that first argument in the kitchen that really I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm over this. I don't like this episode anymore. But the Salmon Rusty character, all the great lines, the the smug cop, man, I, I'm tempted to even maybe just give it a star. Maybe I'll give it a star. I'm going to give it a star low. I think it's better okay. than average as it turns out. What do you think? So I'm giving it a full star and I, I really enjoyed it. And that made me really uh, think about last week's episode as well. Ah. And I think I did enjoy this episode more than the pickle gambit, but wow. I remember last week I did. Uh, ultimately, I hadn't noted this yet. I did decide to give the pickle gambit my star and a stock rising emoji. Right. So I am going to make sure that I note that now. And I think I, I think a disturbance in the kitchen just barely tops. Uh, the pickle gambit, but I think it does top the pickle gambit. Makes sense. It's nice to have, you know, it's it's nice to have that comparison. That's why I always mm-hmm. like the average episode, but I, I think this one was above average, which is what my star low rating is. Yeah, I, I, I think... didn't think it was better than my last full star, which was the pickle gambit. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, next week we have got season nine, episode four. Is that right? Did I yeah. write that right? Okay. Yeah. Season nine, episode four, running with the bulls. Original air date October 22nd, 2017. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry's therapist accuses him of overstepping, comma, Susie grows suspicious of Jeff, and Larry bribes an usher at a funeral. It's wordy, but I don't see anything wrong with it right off the bat. Yeah. That's happened before. When, yeah. when uh, it, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it can only get worse because yeah. it it's good up front, but yeah, you know, exactly. it, it can only... It can only turn bad after we watch the episode. By the way, I watched the on the next episode of Curb. We got another I, big guest star. I oh, you did watched too. Oh, I did too. You know. Yeah, I, I saw. I'm excited. I'm I'm wondering if he plays the same 
character in Curb as he does in Seinfeld? <laughs> Probably I mean, not. Unless he went from being a dentist to, yeah, being a therapist, it might not work. <laughs> Which, but hey, you never know. You never know. But never I, know. I, I am taking this episode to my barber to show him the kind of hairstyle I want. I hope I don't end up with dog ears. <laughs> we'll say that. Because <laughs> um, I want two girlfriends. Uh, all right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Haldwell. Be good. Be good.